HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Greenhorns, this is Severin, and this is Greenhorns Radio, radio for young farmers by young farmers. And as you're all likely aware, the many things that young farmers need include things, sometimes tools and equipment that fits the needs they have to grow on a smaller scale or on a medium scale or on a scale between the scales at which equipment exists that is for sale. When those problems happen, often those farmers reach out spontaneously to engineers, architects, designers, and others in their community and environment who may have the skills to produce those tools, which they envision based on their goals for farming sustainably. Uh, it's just such a story that um, happened to Pete, Pete, who started something called Two Bad Cats with his father, Rick, to manufacture products for farmers in Wyoming. Oh, no, in Vermont. And obviously, FarmHack is an institution dedicated to this communication between farmers and others with engineering skills with the will to share the tools that they make with each other, to develop better tools, to keep making the tools make sense. And uh, what's my point? Peter Giles is here to tell us a little bit about his experience as part of this movement of these people who are making things move forward in this way. And I say, hi, Peter. Thank you for joining us on the show. Hi, Severin. Thank you. Um, I was wondering, maybe you can give a little introduction. Uh, how did this confluence of agriculture and engineering happen in your life? Um, let's see. Well, we started Two Bad Cats uh, in 2009 um, to make uh, niche products for different things. And I moved to back home to Rutland, Vermont, and um, while I was here, there's a, there's a big agricultural, small-scale, organic agricultural revolution going on here, like probably a lot of other places, and I got really interested in farming and uh, gardening, and so I decided to help out on a local organic farm, and when I was at this local organic farm, uh, they, they were very small-scale, about an acre, and um, everything there were there were lots of tedious tasks around the farm um, that basic tools would help them out with, and so um, I found I was a lot better at making the tools to help them out than I was at the farming to begin with. So um, I decided to make go ahead and make the tools um, 
for them. Can you tell me a little bit about the first tool that you made and, and uh, maybe the learning process, the materials you chose? You're using uh, material that people are not super using a lot, this, like, particle board. Um, maybe you yeah, can talk about um, that. So the, the two main products that we make are um, plant poppers that push um, plug flats or plugs out of a plug flat. Um, it basically looks like a bed of nails. Um, only it's made of um, it's made of wood, and the dowel pins are hardwood. Um, and we make dibble wheels also, which measure your plant spacing for you. Um, and both our both our wheels and our um, and our plug our plant poppers are made of a wood called Advantech. It's a it's a flooring, and uh, it's used in green building. It looks like a particle board, but it's extremely water resistant um, and so so that's that was the, the least expensive and easiest thing to use for for our products that would hold up under tough conditions um, there's there's definitely been an interest in using plastic as well but that would add quite a bit to the price and uh, we're we're definitely aiming at aiming to keep things less expensive for farmers and for small-scale producers and I think we haven't had any complaints um, from anyone in the field, and they've been in the field for quite a while now. So um, I, we think they do a good job, um, and are, are, they don't disintegrate like a normal particle board, and they hold up really well under moisture load. So, so from your perspective as a maker of, of regional tools or a regional small maker or small manufacturer of farm tools, selling to small and medium-scale growers. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, the business dynamic of that. Obviously, FarmHack, we're dedicated to open source and putting the, the, the designs up online. Um, do you feel like that threatens your business model of selling a complete, fully-made tool to farmers who would maybe not take on the mission of building their own? Um, I don't think FarmHack threatens it at all, and I think... Um I think FarmHack is a great thing, and um, I would I have posted a help sheet on on uh, FarmHack for making dibble wheels. We've we have learned a lot in our in our time making learning how to make dibble wheels and through our prototypes, um, and so we've we fully support it, and uh, hopefully we will help more in the future and create in taking photos and posting guides as to how we make our dibblers. Um, as well as how we make uh, our plant poppers. Um, I'd also like to support more by we, we're offering parts uh, for um, for do-it-yourselfers that might be hard for them to make on their own. For example, right now we're offering um, the end caps for drum uh, sewer pipe drum dibblers, um, as well as two-inch rings of uh, of sewer pipe. Um, the 12-inch stuff that people do use for do-it-yourself dibblers. So uh, for, for the people that want to do it themselves, we hope to help as much as possible. And for the people that don't want to do it themselves, we offer a complete product. So I think we can work together, and I hope, I hope to. So I guess the question would be, what's your analysis of how businesses like yours could... 
uh, survive? What are some of the key elements that you've discovered in terms of marketing your product, in terms of getting the word out, in terms of appropriately scaling your production and to meet the need? Um, what would be some guidance that you have or some kind of characterizing description of what it is to be um, a manufacturer like this? Well, it's, it's difficult to be small. Um, it's, it's good and difficult. Um, it's difficult because you can't get things in quantity that makes, that makes things cheaper. Um, so we build, at the beginning, we built two or three dibble wheels and a few plant poppers, and now we're building them in lots of 10 or 15. Um, so we're, we're, not, we're not very big, and it's more expensive to do it that way. But if, if we find a better way to do it, we'll change quickly and and uh, more easily than someone that has a few thousand of something in the warehouse. Um, and I, I think it's um, I think it's it's good to be small and in touch uh, with with local farmers. Local farmers um, and farmers all over have have really good networks of and people that they talk to and mentors and good communities and so. Um, I think if you provide a good product to to them, they will talk about it with with other people that are producing in a similar manner. And I think that's the best way to get the word out. Getting the word out is good, and increasing the amount of farmers who use the tool is good. Uh, improving the diff the business the business model. For small business is good. Obviously, in business training, they're always saying, you know, increase your volume, increase your margin per per item, uh, and reduce your overhead. Have you been thinking those kinds of things through, or uh, what part of your livelihood? I guess a, ni a nice way to say this would be, what part of your livelihood is this business, and um, and how do you see that changing? Um, it's, it's a good amount of my livelihood. Uh, fortunately, my wife has a very stable, steady job, so, um, so I don't have to worry as much about it. Um, but I would like, this is, this is my full-time job, and I, I really enjoy doing it, and it's a, it's like farming, it's a very rewarding thing, um. I think farming is, is super important, and especially small-scale organic farming, and I want to continue helping, helping that community as much as I can. Um, and I, I enjoy being a part of it, and yeah, that's about it. Well, it's a um, it's an exciting thing to learn about because we um, we definitely well I'm I personally look out around the farmsteads of the many young farmers in the network and continue to worry about metal fatigue and the fact that inevitably even if we keep these tractors going these tractors from the 1950s and 40s and these old you know potato diggers and especially the horse equipment stuff from the 1920s, you know, at a certain moment that metal is just going to wear out and you can only really uh, follow the example of the Cubans 
who repair their cars over and over and over. You know, at a certain point, we do need to build more tools. So I'm really glad when um, folks like you are developing tools and new material, using new materials and um, ready to make stuff from scratch and from available, affordable, cheap uh, parts and, and uh, feed, not feedstocks, I don't know what you call them, but inputs. What do you think you're going to do next? Have any, um, any products in development or um, ideas up your sleeve? Well, I mean, most of our ideas we usually get from, from farmers that are out there that have seen our products or, or local folks that, that, that like what we have and what we're doing. Um, and we also get them from old books. Uh, so like you said, a lot of, a lot of small-scale or um, non-tractor-powered tools come from a long time ago. And so there's um, nothing we do is, is original. People have done it plenty, uh, but we're, we'd like to think that we put a modern take on it. Um, so, yeah, we do have new stuff up our sleeves. Um, they, they didn't have jacuzzi motors back in, back in the day. Um, so one of the things we're working on is that we're clearly not the first people to do it, but we've heard that jacuzzi um, motors are good for helping wash greens. So we've, we made a prototype of that, and it's in testing. Um, we've also um, made a prototype of a tine weeder, which, uh, which is... Some people call it a blind weeder or tine weeder. You can get a, an attachment for your tractor that does it, but I'm not sure anyone sells a hand tool um, that does it. Um, so it's basically a cultivation tool. Um, so we're, we're working on bringing that back from the 1920s and 30s. Bring it back from the 1920s and 30s. Bring it back to life. Yep, and I'm really glad there's the agriculture and the people, the people that want to do things uh, on on the scale and without without the unnatural inputs that uh, that will need tools like that um, in the future. I'm glad it's coming back back around. I think it's really important for um, everyone listening and and for myself to be reminded how. Much. This is the um, this whole discourse that we're having right now is not an abstraction or some kind of futurist, imaginal, hypothetical, optimistic thing. But it's actually the material culture of an emergent economy being expressed, and that people who are in business making food are interested in these tools in the real world, in real time, in a real ecosystem, in a real business, in a real marketplace and um, it's very it's very encouraging and important to notice um, that this is reality um, and to start accommodating our narrative to that reality instead of saying oh stop dreaming impossible dreams young people <laughs> which is often what happens uh, when they're not in touch with um, what's happening so I'm so glad for you to share with me and with our team here, um, what's going on. I want to make sure you have a chance to make any announcements or share any thoughts or advice that you have um, for the Greenhorns Network. 
No, I'd just like to thank everyone um, who's who's uh, in the small-scale organic um, farm industry, and uh, you guys are doing a great job. And here in Rutland, um, it's one of the really bright spots in the in the area. Um, and a it it was a depressed area, and now it's uh, looking up. And agriculture is small-scale agriculture is a big part of it. And so, thank you to everyone who's in that, and I hope to help in my small little way. Thank you, Severin. Go team! And just for your information, those of you who are in Vermont and big fans of all that's happening, there's going to be a national meeting of the State Department of Agriculture heads. Um, it's going to be in Burlington, Vermont, and it's coming up, uh, let's see, early September. So that's the time when they're going to be talking about food safety, um, which is an issue, of course, of major concern to small, especially startup growers who are not in a position to um, operate in the same way as large producers and are not meeting the kind of regulatory oversight that large producers who ship to multiple states and um, serve millions of pounds of perishable product need, um, nor should we be burdened with the expectations of phytosanitation that they, that they should. So uh, you're going to hear more from me about this but know that there is an opportunity coming up to share your perspective and share your voice on this topic. And um, for the Vermonters who are listening, please keep your ears clipped in this direction because I think we're going to have some directives on how to make sure that your voice is heard. Okay, everyone, thank you for listening to Greenhorns Radio. Thank you for being out in the field or in the greenhouse or in the shade or at the dinner table or in some way plugged in, turned on, and committed to making something happen that's better for us all. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. <laughs>